And so that's what I want to do is share a little bit about from the word uh, and preach to you the heart of God. Because some people, they reflect on God like they reflect on their, their father growing up. And some people had great dads. And, and their dad was loving and kind and caring and, and affectionate. And you would look at God and you think, God is so good. God is for me. Oh, I just love God every day. And that's, that's awesome if that's your experience. But that's not everybody's experience. Even people who really do love God, they don't always feel like God loves them in that same way. Because maybe you had a dad that was distant. Maybe you had a dad who wasn't even there. Maybe your dad was always at work and didn't have time for you. Maybe you had a dad who was always irritated by you, who thought children should be seen and not heard. Maybe a dad who was angry or a dad who who was abusive. Maybe maybe a dad who, who was so controlling. Maybe a dad who wouldn't provide for you. Maybe a dad who was always depressed or always drunk or always, you know, doing something, but he just wasn't a good dad. And you come to God... And you look at God the Father, and you know he's not like your dad, but somewhere in your heart, you think his heart might be a little bit like that. And so your ability to relate to him causes a distance. Do you think this might be true of somebody in here at all? Like maybe the person next to you, maybe not you. Maybe, Maybe it's the other campus I'm preaching to. But nevertheless, we relate to God like that, and and this is why it's so important that we come together and we hear what is the heart of God? What's the heart of God for us? And so I want to share with you from from John chapter 10 and then in the Old Testament, a passage in Ezekiel, but I want to share with you what Jesus says the heart of God is. Now, if you know a little bit about Jesus and the time he was living, Jesus was considered, he was called a carpenter. He was really called the carpenter's son, and he probably wasn't working with wood much. He's probably like a stonemason, because you're not building with wood back then. They're building with with stones. And so he was known as a master builder. And he starts to explain what the heart of God is like in this passage in John 10. But he doesn't talk about God being the builder. Although Jesus said things like, I'll build my church. And he's ministering in this area uh, of Israel there around the Sea of Galilee. And around the Sea of Galilee, the people there, they were mainly uh, farmers, not animal husbandry where they're raising up flocks. Their primary, you know, jobs and so forth and sustenance was from farming. But Jesus didn't come in and say, God is like a farmer and I'm like a farmer and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to farm you. You know, he doesn't come like that, like, you know, straw hat and you know, whatever, he, overalls. He doesn't use that, though he does use illustrations of farming and sowing seeds and, and you reap what you sow and, and so forth. He does use those. He was working with some of his closest associates who were fishermen. Now, these guys, they would be out there fishing all day long in the, or all night in the Sea of Galilee, and, and that was their, their bread and butter. And, and, and Jesus, though, he doesn't say, you know, the great fishermen in the sky. He doesn't talk about that, though he does at one point say, hey, you know what, I'll teach you to be a fisher of men. He, he talks uh, instead, he uses this metaphor when he's really communicating the heart of God, and it's not a, that of a builder or a farmer or a fisherman, but it's that of a shepherd. And most of these people weren't shepherds. But he's sitting there, and he's talking to them, and he, and he says this in verse 11. He said, of John chapter 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. He could have said, I'm a builder, I'm a fisherman, I'm a farmer. But he says, instead of all that, he says something that he's not actually doing physically. 
He's not, Jesus doesn't actually have a flock of sheep somewhere. So he's using a metaphor right here to, to call their attention to something about who he is and how he is, his heart. And he says, I'm the good shepherd. And, and the, the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. As soon as he uses this illustration of being a good shepherd, it, it calls their attention back to so much of what they learned growing up from the Old Testament of God being the, the great shepherd, that he's the one who leads the flock of Israel and that he would raise up other leaders among his people who would shepherd the children of Israel, that they would lead the people there and they were to do it in a way that cared for them, that nurtured them, that protected them and provided for them. And there had been many shepherds and some of these shepherds were great like Moses or King David. And then there were some other really bad shepherds like Ahab and some other bad ones. <laughs> so they, and they, they would often lead the sheep astray and cause them to get into terrible situations where the enemies would invade the land and so forth. And Jesus, he puts himself out there like this though. He says, I'm not just a shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. Now, this is a very intentional metaphor choice because when you think about uh, uh, the shepherd and what their job is, it's to take care of the sheep. The sheep, oftentimes in that area, you'd have you know, the fields where the sheep would go out and have sheep buffets and they'd be out there eating. And sometimes you'd have multiple shepherds and they'd each have their little flock. And they'd be out there in the fields and taking care of them and like, hey, Bob, hey, hey Jim, you know, and, and so forth. And they're talking amongst themselves and grazing. But at night, all these different shepherds with their sheep from different flocks would go back to a sheepfold. And they would take all the different flocks and they'd put them all into one sheepfold. And the sheepfold was, was typically, it's just, just a little area where they built a fence about waist high all the way three sides around and the backside of it was typically up against a hill. And there was only one opening for the sheepfold. And it was a little bit of a gate like this. And what would happen is there would be a gatekeeper who stood there and he would, he would uh, make sure that the only people who go in and out would be the shepherds of those sheep so that some random person wouldn't go in and try to harm the sheep or take any of the sheep. So he was the gatekeeper and he kept watch over who could come in and go out. And so these sheep would all go in and they'd be hanging out and, eh, you know, doing whatever. They'd intermix. And then the next day, one of the, uh, the shepherds could come in and they can make their little sheep noises. Come here, Bob. Come here, Jim. Come here, Sally. And, and the sheep that belonged to that shepherd would recognize that shepherd's voice and they would follow him out. And none of the other sheep would recognize that shepherd's voice because uh, it's a stranger. And this is the picture that we get about God with his people, Jesus with his people, said it's like a shepherd with a sheep. The shepherd would spend so much time with the sheep, he would name his sheep. You don't name animals you're supposed to eat, right? right. But that's what they would do. And maybe they didn't eat them all, but, but nevertheless, they named the sheep. They would spend time. They would talk to him as they're, they're you know, feeding him and caring for them. So much so that they had a personal relationship with these sheep and the sheep, they could all be mixed together and a lot of different shepherds calling their sheep and they would just all split up and follow the right shepherd. They wouldn't follow after a stranger. Jesus is sitting here and he's giving them this picture of the shepherd with his sheep. And he says, this is the heart of God. This is what I am like with you. Now, 
you have this one entrance right there in the gate, and, and that's the only way in, the only way out, unless, of course, you hop over that, that gate there. And it mostly kept most predators out, and it kind of symbolized the people, this is not your sheepfold, stay out. At night, the shepherd or the gatekeeper would lay down in front of the gate, in front of the little gap there, so that he would be able to monitor anybody or anything coming in or trying to come out. And he would lay his life down right there for the sheep. Now also, if a predator or somebody came in to steal or to kill the sheep, he would, he would risk his own life to protect the sheep. This is the picture that Jesus is giving. This is the heart of God for us. And he goes on, and I want to I relate some things to you that he said. But first of all, let's back up a verse to verse 10. When Jesus is talking about the shepherd and the sheep, he gives this illustration and he says, the thief, in fact, can we read this from the screen out loud together? The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus is sitting here and he's, he's saying, there are those who would come in and try to steal, kill, and destroy. In fact, the thief does not come in to steal, kill, and destroy. He only comes in to steal, to kill, and destroy. The enemy only wants to come into our lives to steal, kill, and destroy. And if we open the door a little bit to, for him, this is what he's after. He wants to bring destruction in our lives. He wants to steal and kill. And we read this and we hear what Jesus is saying, but, but I want you to see something. That's not his heart for you. Sometimes people think that the bad things that happen must be the will of God, that it must be the heart of God. This must be the God's plan. But Jesus said, no, it's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What is the will of God and the heart of God for you? That you might have life and have life more abundantly. If you look at how he was saying, he's saying, I want you to keep on having life, and the life that I want you to have is a life lived to the full, a fullness of life that God gives to you. This isn't what I'm saying. This isn't what just a preacher's saying. This is what Jesus is saying. And he says this about the thief. Now, now think about this. The attack on a sheep really, really isn't an attack on the sheep, is it? If someone comes to, to, to steal the sheep, you might have you know, various shepherds who have their sheep in there. Someone comes in and they're going to steal the sheep. Are they really stealing from the sheep? No, they're stealing from the shepherd, right? This is important because an attack on you isn't necessarily an attack on you. It's an attack against your shepherd. When, when someone comes in, if they can't steal the sheep, maybe they're, they're mad at that shepherd. And so they want to get him back. They want to destroy, uh, come against him. So they destroy his flock. It's an attack on the attack on the flock is an attack on God. The attack on God's people is an attack on him. And this is why God takes it personally when there's an attack on your life. Because it's not just against you, it's against him. And we have a real adversary. The Bible talks about the devil who, who uh, we, he's got to hate us because we reflect the image of God. We're created in the image of God. And he knows that he can't do anything against God if he tries, you know, it's not like good against evil and they're fighting, you know, toe to toe like this. His attack often is against us. And it's, to, it's just to kind of tell God, like, you may have taken me down, but I'm going to take some out with me. So when God sees an attack on us, he takes it very personally. The, sheep, the thief doesn't come to steal from the sheep. He comes to steal the sheep. 
What do I see in there? Oftentimes we'll read that verse and we'll think, yeah, you know, something was stolen from me. Well, that happens. Like the enemy comes to steal things from our life. But the, but the reality is this. The thief comes to steal the sheep from the shepherd. Satan wants to do anything he can to pull you away from God. He wants to do anything he can by bringing distraction, bringing affection for other things, maybe other things that are just causing you to be so busy. I don't have time for church anymore. I don't have time to get in the Word. I don't have time to, to, to really focus in on, on God. What's happening right there? We need to recognize the heart of the enemy is to pull us away from God. Have you ever noticed you got, you know, you, you just, you were, went on vacation, something came up, you, you, you got busy, you took on some commitments, job schedule changed, and next thing you know, like, man, I haven't been spending any time with the Lord lately. What's happened right there? Do you think it's just that you got busy? No, I'm telling you, there is a thief that only comes to steal. And, and the first step is, I want to pull you away from God. The next step is, I'll do whatever I can to kill or destroy you. Kill the, pers- the purposes of God. Kill your faith. Kill your hope. Kill your joy. I want to destroy your life. And how many people at one time really had a good life and they loved God and they saw the blessing and then they find themselves at the bottom of the barrel? What happened right there? The enemy only came in to still, to kill and destroy. And God looks at that and says, that is not my heart for you. That is not what I want for you. I want to give you life and life more abundantly. And when he starts talking about being the shepherd, it would remind them of passages like Ezekiel 34. Now you guys, you may not find yourself in the book of Ezekiel much. You might think, Ezekiel, isn't that like a bread or some guy from Children of the Corn or something? Like, I don't know what Ezekiel is, Jedediah, whatever. Uh, We're going to, I don't know what Ezekiel, Ezekiel is a a prophet in the Old Testament. And this guy, he had um, crazy visions and things like that. And and some of them, I'm like, I don't know what you were seeing, Ezekiel, or how you said it. It sounds like something from, you know, a wheel within a wheel and something from like a Led Zeppelin song or something like that. I mean, it's some some crazy stuff there that, that he's seeing. But at certain points, he says some things that really make some real clear sense. And in Ezekiel chapter 34, it's one of those passages because it's God speaking to his people through the prophet. And God, at first in that passage, he talks about shepherds who weren't leading the people well. They weren't taking care of them. They weren't directing them back to God and his word. They were taking them far away and, and opening up the, basically the floodgates for the enemy to come in. And, and God said, you guys, I'm, I, can't, I can't rely on you. I've got to be the shepherd myself. I want to read this passage because I believe this is going to communicate to you God's heart. I believe that as we walk through this briefly here, that you're going to see some things about God that maybe you need this morning. And the very first thing in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11, it goes like this. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search and find my sheep. You know, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And right here in Ezekiel 34, God's saying, I myself will be the shepherd. So you see this correlation when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. You know what he's saying? I am God. I am God, the good shepherd. And he says this, I will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. This is the heart of God. It's to go after you. 
Some of you, you feel like God is so distant. Or maybe you've been feeling like, man, I'm looking for God and I just, I need an encounter with God. Maybe, maybe you feel like you've been lost for so long. And, and you need to know this about the heart of God, that God is after you. No, I don't mean like after you. I mean like he's after you. He's searching for you. He said, this is this kind of shepherd I am. I'm going to search all through the hills, all through the woods, wherever it, it takes to find you. You might think that you came to church because somebody invited you or you gave your life to God because you thought it'd be a good thing to do, but you need to know this, that God was looking for you even before you started looking for him. And even today, right now, he's not ambivalent. He's not up here with his arms crossed. He's not uh, distant from you. He's after you. He wants you. He's seeking after you. He loves you. This is the kind of God that we serve. And maybe there's somebody here who just needed to know that about God. God really does want you. He really does. And then he goes on to say, I'll be, I'll, I'll be like the shepherd looking for his flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. Say, say the word rescue. Rescue. He's sitting here and he's saying this, that sometimes my people get themselves in a situation where they're over their heads or they get, you know, those sheep, they might get stuck in the briar bush or something like that or, or get stuck in the mud. I don't know. But he's sitting here saying, I'll rescue you. I know there are many people who really do want to be free, who really do love God, and they find themselves in addictions and in bondages. They find themselves struggling with attitudes it's like, why, why do I say those things and act that way? Why do I hurt the ones I love? And yet this person wants to be free. And God is saying, I'll rescue you if you'll let me. There are some of you who might be struggling with some things today, and it's not because you don't care. Maybe you want to be free. I know a lot of, why do so many people try to go to rehab and so forth? They don't want to be stuck in that lifestyle. And look, look at this, God will rescue you. From everything that you get stuck in, man, his heart is to pull you out of that. He wants to pull you out and, and put you into a place of freedom and safety. Somebody might be saying, I need that. That's for me. And you need to understand, God isn't doing this for you, and he's not leaving you there. He wants to pull you out, and he will rescue you. You have to let him. He said, I will bring them back to their own land of Israel from among the peoples and nations. He said, my sheep, they got scattered, and they're all out there somewhere else. And you know, when God uh, talks about finding his people, he said, I'm going to bring them back and put them among their own people. A shepherd wouldn't go out and find a lost sheep that's stuck out there in the wilderness somewhere on its own and grab it and, and, and kind of clean it up and pet it and tell you, you know what, little sheepy, I'm so glad that I found you. He's like, me too. And then he's like, yeah, you know... <laughs> I really, I'll take care of you. I'll do whatever I can. I'm going to set you down right back here and leave you. And you just be on your own by yourself. And, and I'm going to go over there. And if you ever need me, I'll come back and get you. But, but you don't, you know, you just do your own thing. He doesn't say that at all. And what I really see this a picture of is that, that the shepherd brings the sheep back into the sheepfold. I really see the picture of the local church. I really see that the, the importance, the heart of God is for you to belong Sometimes we feel like we're on the outside looking in. I felt like that growing up. I felt like, you know, I might be in the midst of a party and everybody's laughing, but I feel like I'm not one of them. I don't belong. Not because I didn't live like them. I lived like them. I was doing everything. No one else would have thought it about me. But inside, 
man, I felt like I was on the outside looking in. And God's heart for you is not for you to be stuck like that. He wants you to know you belong. He takes the solitary and puts them in families. He takes those who are lonely and he says, no, 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 you're not on your own. The heart of God is to get you connected in the local church. And, and I, this is so important because God will bring some sheep into our midst, midst right here and they might still smell. <laughs> they might still act funny. They might still look different. They might not think the same way. They might, you know, when we're, meh, they're, you know, they're like goats. They're acting like goats or whatever, button everybody around and so forth. And God's heart though is, hey, make room for those people. Love them, embrace them, welcome them. Help them to become what I've called them to be. Get into a healthy place in their heart and in their life. The heart of God is that you belong. He goes on to say this. He says, I'll feed them on the mountaintops of Israel and by the rivers and all the, good, and all the places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land. Say good pasture land. That word good is important. And then he goes on. They will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills here's the heart of god for you heart of god is to provide for you abundantly doesn't that sound like what jesus said i've come that they might have life and life more abundantly he doesn't just say i'm going to feed you some grain over here in the desert but he says i'm going to bring you into a good pasture land lush pastures right there i mean tall green grass and it's going to be cool and it's going to be relaxing it's going to be safe and god is saying this i want to be your provider and I will provide for you abundantly if you will let me. There are people who don't want to believe that God is their provider or that he wants to provide abundantly. Some people have been taught that there is a blessing in poverty. Nowhere in the scripture where you find God saying, yes, there's a blessing in your poverty. I want to make you poor. That is not the heart of God. God loves people who are stuck in poverty. He'll bring them out. It's funny how someone who might think, you know, I don't believe that God wants to bless us and take care of us financially, yet they'll work their butt off to try to get it anyways. They'll work hard and take extra shifts and work overtime to make more money, but yet they don't believe that God wants it for them. That's sort of like the person who says, I don't believe it's God's will to heal me, yet they take medicine. If you don't believe it's God's will to heal you, why are you taking medicine? Why are you going to the doctor? Why don't we just see how this thing works out? If you die, you die. If you live, you live. No, you really do believe that, that, that God wants you healed because you want to be healed too. And that's why you're taking the medicine. And so the same thing, God wants to provide for you. You're already probably working. You're already trying to manage your resources. Look to your source. Look to the one who says, I will take care of your needs. My wife and I, we, we just got back from Oklahoma dropping our daughter off, our second daughter, for college. And when she was growing up, she would always say this. At a young age, it kind of bothered me a little bit, but she would, say, she would say, hey, did you guys save for college for me? And we're like, no. <laughs> but we'd tell her, God will provide for you because we made some choices and decisions to follow after the Lord in a way that, that we, we sacrificed some stuff, but we knew that God would be our source. And so we told her, when the time comes, God will provide. Well, we just dropped her off at a great school that's not cheap. And yet the Lord is providing everything. He's faithful. He's faithful to provide. And some of you today, you might be struggling with, with your resources, but you got to look to the source. And he's saying, I'll be that for you. And the last scripture here is, I will search for my lost ones. Actually, it's two more. I myself will tend, verse 15, I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace 
says the sovereign Lord. God says, I'll give you freedom from stress, from anxiety and fear. The, the state of the mental health of our nation is, is not good. People are overwhelmed with anxiety and then they're overwhelmed with depression. And God comes in and he says, but I want to put you in a place of peace. See, the Lord's desire is not for you to figure it out on your own or carry the weight of the world on your own or to not be able to, to be at peace with him, with others, or with yourself. He said, I'm going to put you in a place of peace. And maybe in your family life, maybe with your relatives, maybe with someone close to you, your job, or just when you lay your head down at night on the pillow, there's no peace. And yet today the Lord is saying, I will give you peace. I will give you peace. And the final thing is, I'll search for my lost ones who strayed away. I'll bring them safely home again. I'll bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. The heart of God is to heal you physically. You know, the shepherd doesn't find a sheep that's wounded and say, oh, it'll feel better when it stops hurting. That's not, that's not the comfort he provides. He looks and he says, what can I do to bandage up this wound, to clean you up, to, get, to nourish you, to do whatever it takes so that you are healed and healthy? And you got to understand this about God and his heart for you. God wants to heal you. God wants to heal you. He wants to restore you inside and out. Every aspect of your life he cares about. Why? Because he's a good shepherd. And you are his sheep. And think about a sheep with a shepherd. He doesn't sit there and say, yeah, you know, we'll just see what happens. He does everything he can to help that sheep live and live abundantly and flourish. And I believe that this morning, if you'll receive that word and you'll receive the heart of God, you'll receive the Lord for you, there may be some of those things specifically for you that you'd say, oh, God, you are my shepherd. You search for me. You deliver me. You provide for me. You heal me. You give me peace. You give me rest. In fact, this is what I want to do right now as we close. I want to take a moment to pray. And can you bow your heads? And maybe you're here this morning and one of those things spoke to you. If any of those areas spoke to you and you need God to show up, would you simply raise your hand? I'm not asking you to stand up, but anything at all of those areas that maybe it's the provision, the healing, the, the stress and, and worry and anxiety or, or deliverance and being rescued. Maybe it's just knowing that God really is uh, searching for you. Any of those at all, raise your hand. And right now, as, we're, as I begin to pray, would you even let the Lord know, God, I, I receive your word today. Say, say that to him. Father God, I receive your word today. You are my shepherd. You have searched for me and you have found me. I give you my whole heart today. Deliver me from the things that I'm stuck in. Give me peace. Give me freedom. Heal my body. Give me rest. I look to you as my source, and I thank you for provision. Help me to hear your voice and to follow after you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Let's give God thanks. Can we do that?